recording has began. Welcome back, everybody, uh, to the Beverage Podcast Bar Talk. Uh, thanks for joining us for episode seven. I'm uh, John Foley, your host, along with Mark Miller. Hello. Hey, Boons. Hi there. Yes, and we would like to, of course, as always, thank our um, partners and team at iLogic Media for producing the show and broadcasting us uh, to your living rooms and couches and cars, cars and, and showers. Planes, trains, and automobiles. Exactly, yes. So uh, today we're talking about something that's kind of near and dear to our hearts. And I think that everybody who gets into beverages eventually starts buying books um, to read and enhance their experience, maybe to learn more about favorite subject matter. So we're talking about essential bar books today, uh, the ones that we really like, the ones that help us out as industry members, and the ones that are the most fun to read. Yeah. And have yeah. the best recipes. Certainly. Yeah. So I don't think anybody um, ever kind of can have a conversation about beverage books without mentioning Jerry Thomas. Oh, know, yeah. Because Jerry Thomas essentially was the one who broke the rules first and wrote a bar book because at the time he did it in the 18, I think, 70s, um, it was kind of not that cool to write a bar book. You know, the idea is that your recipes were proprietary and you didn't share them. But uh, he kind of wrote a book that was equal parts self-promotion and, and recipes. And he kind of was the first one to put drinks into families. Yeah. You know, so you kind of learn through that that book what original families were for like sours and slings and daisies. And it's a really, really fantastic book. Um, uh, the Bomb Vivant's Companion is the name of it. And we don't have it. I went to pull it and I got a pile of books in front of me and I blew it. I don't know where the, the copy is. It's gone. Probably in the back of my car. <laughs> yeah. So that one and, um, and this guy right here, the Savoy cocktail book, which was originally published. In, oh, I'm going to say 1923, see if I'm right. Drum roll. 1930. Either way, <laughs> seminal cocktail book. This one's even bigger than the Jerry Thomas book with much more recipes. And it's kind of one of those books where a lot of the classic cocktails that we know now, pre-prohibition era cocktails that we know now, they got their first mention in this particular book. So it was the bar book for the Savoy Hotel. Um, and... A lot of the great bars at the time were hotel bars because that's where you had an influx of, of people who were culturally interested in cocktails. You, the best bartenders would go to hotels because um, I think neighborhood bars were more watering holes and hotels were expected to carry a more cosmopolitan. Yeah, and probably more uh, financially stable to be able to afford ice as well. 100%. Yeah. Yeah, yep. exactly. So the Savoy Cocktail Book, if you like old drinks and want a great many recipes, most of which the bills kind of still stand the test of time, um, they might, you might want to booze them up, I guess, for the modern palate. Yeah, but yeah. this is a fantastic book, um, just as a pure old school drink reference. So that's the yeah. first one I'm mentioning. But I think we're going to talk about books that are spirit specific, um, ones that are put out by great bars, mm -hmm. and other ones that have bits of history or are um, kind of thematically driven. Uh, yeah. Uh, so we're going to mention a kind of a, a great many books today, all for different reasons. Mm -hmm. And all ones that are their big helps to us. I mean, while we're on the topic of, of Jerry Thomas, we can probably talk about Imbibe. That's one of David my favorites. Wondrich. Yeah. Wondrich, yeah. yeah. Uh, David Wondrich, probably one of the most prolific authors as far as cocktail books are concerned, I would say. And, and yeah, kind of the general general authority yeah. on yeah. old drinks. Mm -hmm. The most classic yeah. style, the techniques, yeah. things that mm -hmm. were used kind of before, well, pre-prohibition and then and then post. But. Yeah, mm -hmm. and and Bob's really cool because it 
basically focuses around uh, Jerry Thomas's, you know, like life and career and the history of the professor, as he's called, known mm-hmm. as. Yeah. Um, and it gives you, you know, uh, how he came up with, you know, daisies, fizzes, the general builds for them, the history behind them. And uh, yeah, just an all around, if you're a history nut, like a lot of us are, yeah, booms especially. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's a really great read for sure. Another thing that Wondrich does that I think is absolutely excellent is he kind of delves into not just the recipes and when they were made, but what most likely would have gone in them. Exactly, because right. so you don't have those sometimes listed specifically. Right, and like, if it says rum, he's going to tell you probably what rum was most likely used then. So you can really replicate these drinks if you want to. Yeah, I really like the way that he delves into that because he actually takes it and he almost like a dissertation goes super deep into the region that maybe Jerry Thomas was in at the time of this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so yeah, like, absolutely. He's yeah. able to like buff it out. It's Jerry Thomas's book, but like on steroids, like the complete package of everything that he would have said. And he's an absolutely brilliant writer. He's yes. really, really, really funny. I believe he was a professor of comparative literature before he decided to spend his time writing about cocktails. So it came from a passion of researching and writing about things. And then he just kind of turned his career into writing about cocktails. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And now he goes all over and writes about cocktails. Yeah. It's really cool, too, because, like, I'm looking at it now and he goes through, you know, like, the history of the cocktails, but specifically also, too, notes on execution, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. like how they would have done it back in the day and maybe how it's easier to do it now in a modern bar setting, you know? So... Yeah, good read. Yeah, he also wrote a book specifically on punch called Punch, which is, it's a book on essentially a a fairly esoteric corner of cocktail making with these big batch punches that would have been made for like big groups. And um, not only provides an amazing history on punch, but also a lot of great tips on how to truly batch out a cocktail the right way, how to make a big format cocktail very, very well. Yeah. Also, I couldn't find that one. (laughs) <laughs> well, he kind of goes into it in vibe too, and like I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure in like the very beginning of it, because that's where a lot of cocktails started, were mm-hmm. punches. Basically, yeah, you know? yeah, punch so. pretty much a cocktail. Right? Yeah, a, a, a damn sight. And lots of brandy based. I noticed mainly brandy and rum. Brandy and rum. Yeah, yeah. yeah. which would have been the primary spirits on, on the okay. continent mm-hmm. at yeah. the time. Yeah, it's interesting that you mentioned code. So technique has been brought up in his books already, and we've got a couple of books that like focus on technique. But you mentioned specifically in the beginning. So one of the books that I wanted to bring about was the Cocktail Codex. Um, so the behind the makers of Death and Company. Thank you. Let me get you that. Let me get you that. Thanks so much. Um, Cocktail Codex. They actually also start their books off with like highly influ- um, highly recommending techniques and styles and ways that you can do it at home if you don't have all the same mm-hmm. tools. Obviously, they recommend the bar tools heavily first, but um, as you go through it, it's just it's. Their it's books are gorgeous, with, by the way, too. Yeah. And the total understanding of things, too, they try to, if you don't have a basis of knowledge, the difference between rye whiskey and bourbon, they've got that mm-hmm. in there. They've got um, fantastically styled photos of classic drinks, and then they talk about the different variations of that classic drink. So Sherry Cobbler is also a, ver- a variant of that, excuse me, is attraction. A variant of that is called a peeping tomboy, mm-hmm. like. They go through the full build of things as well. Yeah, it's a really great way to see how foundational cocktails are used to make new cocktails. Yes. And that's something that every bartender does. You know, I think that if you're if you're in the craft cocktail world and you want to put new content out there, you have to have a fundamental understanding of about 100 to 150 different drinks because that puts together the foundation on which you build things. Yeah, absolutely. You know, every now and then we'll come up with something that's truly wonky and you can't really actually trace mm-hmm. um, its origin. Mm-hmm. But most of the time what we do when we make new cocktails is we build on right. uh, foundations and, and builds and, and flavor relationships that we understand. Yep. 
Because as long as you can understand those bases, then you can, like you said, riff on them and break yeah. it down. Like, you know, Negroni being equal parts, you know, spirit, bittering spirit, and then, you know, like sweet vermouth. Or Amaro and sweet vermouth. And never banana liqueur. Never banana Not liqueur. Not ever. <laughs> Although I'm pretty sure in uh, Mixology and Mayhem, there's a, a Negroni a riff that yep. does have banana liqueur. <laughs> I would drink that. <laughs> yeah, once you understand those, then you can kind of break them down and create something new. Sure. Which is, yeah, like you said, what all bartenders do, really. So you, you know? said Mixology Mayhem, Dead Rabbit, the writers who write uh, those books. There's, yeah. a, there's a group of them, but they do that as well. They yeah. have a really good uh, understanding of yeah. the basis. Mark, I know this is one of yours that you built. picked, so you can talk most about it. But I will say, before Mark goes on, this is probably my favorite bar book of all time. It's so good. Uh, it's the Dead Rabbit, uh, Mixology and Mayhem. Yeah. yeah. A couple times already. Word to those... Um, buying this book and maybe not getting into it right away, don't leave it on your coffee table for your kids to look at. Because the <laughs> graphic novel portion of this book is 100% very R-rated. Yeah. Um, and I definitely wouldn't leave, leave it around for toddlers to, to yeah. check out. So yeah, so I just uh, I just burned through this in like a day and a half because it's such a good read. So. I read it in like a day. Yeah, first yeah, yeah. yeah, and it's it's super quick to get through. There's a, there's a little bit of like a a preface or an intro talking about like their methods that they do with the dead rabbit and how they do prep and all that. But then it gets into the uh, story of uh, the graphic novel section is the story of John Morrissey, mm -hmm. who was uh, one of the uh, lead, maybe one of the leaders, but also mainly a member of the dead rabbits in the five points in uh, New York yeah. back in the 18, what was it? Fifties. Yeah. yeah Cause he was born in 1831. So uh, John Morrissey, he was a kind of a hell of a guy. He, uh, in his later life, became a, a New York senator. But before that, he was a boxer, um, mob boss. He was considered one of the yeah. very first mob bosses. And basically, the idea behind the graphic novel is that John Morrissey has come back to life as this character, the Dead Rabbit, who you can see on the cover. And um, he has some some scores to settle, we'll say. 100%, yeah. And uh, yeah, like John said, very violent uh, graphic <laughs> novel, but super good read, uh, super awesome. Mm -hmm. Yeah, fabulous yeah. illustration. It's all done in like black and white and mm. shades of red, which is yeah. super cool. And uh, yeah, they're very- um, It's almost like a Frank Miller vibe. Yes, absolutely, uh, yeah, visually, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, uh, a little, rather, little cleaner looking, I think, maybe not as, like, not as stark black yeah, and white, but- Yeah, um, And it's super cool too, because they took a bunch of uh, industry people and made them characters yes. in the graphic yeah. novel yeah. portion of it. Wondrich is in it. I was just going to say David Wondrich is actually in like the first the, page yeah. of it. Yeah. 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 I think he's, is yeah. he the first one to die? Yes. I think he, he is. is. Yeah. 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 And then they've got like, um, they've got Jim Meehan from PDT as a character in there. Yeah. I think Jillian Bowes, like the people from their own bar are in there. Yeah. Arbor really cool. is, I think, yeah. is, in, is in there too. And yeah. the cool thing about the, uh, the recipe section of uh, Mixology and Mayhem is that uh, everyone at the Dead Rabbit, the owners, the general manager, they're very transparent about how they make their drinks, how they yep. come up with the ideas for them. Nothing cryptic. Nothing yeah. cryptic. Yeah. Yep. How they how they create the syrups, and there's an entire like recipe book in the back for all the syrups and shrubs they make and everything. Yeah. I've been pretty vocal in my career about how I'm I'm not that big of a fan of of the molecular mixology movement, um, and it's not just because I don't work in a market that would really support it. Um, I think that they probably would. I think the people in, in Fenton would probably drink whatever we put out there. But I, I personally don't love it because it just goes a step too far as far as manipulation for me. Yeah. And I don't need to play with texture that much. Mm -hmm. What I like about the Dead Rabbit and their builds is that it is almost everything that they make is relatively simple. It's just yeah. a well-prepped liquid ingredient. The way they put them together is a whole other thing. Right. There's There are no tricks to it. It's just a really 
wonderful down to the half ounce or bar spoon understanding of the way flavors progress in a cocktail. And their yep. builds, I think, are the, the best I've ever read. Yep. Without and question. Again, going back to, you know, the they talk about the importance of knowing certain specific builds, you know, like two spirit, three quarter sweetener, three quarter acid, mm -hmm. like things right. you have to know to, because they say specifically in this book too, like this is not a book to teach you how to bartend or how to become a bartender or the basics. So this might be a little more kind of like an intermediate read once yeah. you have your basics down, but. Uh, it's for people who already really are into right. cocktails. Yeah. 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 Like John said, one of, one of the best books you can get, I think. Yeah. And for, very apropos of Jerry Thomas considering that they're willing to give you literally everything that they would put in their mm -hmm. pistachio or that, for instance. Right. Or something. Yeah. 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 Yep. And even reading through it, like I had, I had so many, so many ideas bouncing around in my head for our next cocktail menu, just yeah. by looking at their builds for their drinks too. Yeah. It makes you immediately want to run out and get behind a bar and start making drinks. Yep. Right yeah. now. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Boost, give us another one. Um, so I'll another pop one of mine up in a second. Oh, but. sounds good. Well, I like, uh, the series from David Broom. So this is just his gin book, but he has gin, rum, and whiskey. And uh, they're all titled like the spirit and then the manual because he literally jumps from the history of the drink. So uh, how juniper was first used in um, kind of potions to make you feel better. And then he'll go into kind of like production, um, how it gets popular in the modern age. And then in the very center of the book, he will actually literally go through an entire brand of gin um, from either the company, how they decided they want to start making bottles, flavor profiles. And then he's got this thing down here, um, calls it flavor camps. And it's like, how well does it do in a G&T? How great is this with lemonade? What is it like in a, a Negroni or a Martini? So the way that he's um, able to highlight spirits and to the point that maybe you, you've never tried it before, but you can imagine it because of the way that he's described it is um, really cool to me. And I've used this before in um, writing classes for, for people who wanna learn about gin or rum or whiskey or anything else. Yeah, I think that that's a really good one for bartenders too, because more often than not, you'll get somebody in and say, they say, well, I like a, I, I want a gin cocktail. Well, what kind of gin do you like? But they don't want the kind of gin that they like. They want, they're here for something new. Right. You know, so this gives you a really good background. And I think part of being um, an effective craft cocktail bar bartender, especially learning um, how to earn a guest's trust is to really have a great deal of knowledge of not just the spirit that they're asking for specifically, but all the other ones that are comparable or might not work. Right. So you can give them a, a proper um, uh, suggestion. So, you know, say you're a 21 year old bartender and you just came up off a service bar and you're working at a craft cocktail bar and you've never worked anywhere else. If somebody comes in and asks for a kettle one martini and you don't know what that is, that, that can seriously mess with some of your currency with the guests, yeah, you know, yeah. and having a book like that in your back pocket and having read and understood it and at least are knowledgeable, but not only the brands that you have, but the ones you don't have, oh man, that's, that's big because you can lose a guest trust rather yeah. quickly. And right. the comparison part of that too, you know, that's an industry mentioned... specific comment, obviously, but <laughs> uh, I have people who ask for like, um, like Liberator Gen or something like that, we don't carry it, but I've got others and I can use this um, and the knowledge of what that tastes like to help ac accurately put them with a gin that's somewhat similar. Yeah, mm -hmm. and even if you don't know like specifically what the one kind of product is, as long as you know like what style of product it is, like say comparatively like a regular like, or say like a London dry gin to sure. an old Tom gin. Botanical. Or botanical, yeah yeah, 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 yeah. As long as you know what that style kind of like tastes like, 
inherently in your head, then you can kind of gauge your service to that as well. I realized I just did like what Jim Price, the color analyst on the Tigers broadcast does. You know, <laughs> all you kids listening out there, you know that nobody, nobody under the age of 40 listens to the Tigers on the radio. Right, yeah, yeah. Like, you know, all you kids listening out there, this is how you do it. And you're like, Jim, there are no kids listening to you at all. <laughs> Are the Tigers on YouTube? No. no. Well, there it is. I don't know what baseball is. <laughs> uh, so another one, just kind of off what Courtney said, and um, yeah, kind of speaking of something that is is a very specific avenue to look at drinks within a book is the Drunken Botanist. This book is really, really groovy because it is essentially, as it says right here, the plants that create the world's great drinks. So breaking down something like chartreuse from a botanical standpoint and from somebody who who likes drinks, but comes from the world of plants. Um, Amy Stewart does an absolute brilliant job. So she's talking not just about um, uh, spirits in general, but, you know, cocoa and lemon verbena and tobacco and all of the things that possibly, you know, could influence the cocktails or do influence the cocktails and spirits that you drink. So, you know, if you want to spend three pages on walnut and, and drinks that use walnut and how walnut has, you know, created things like Nocino and what that does to your drink, this is a great book. And it also teaches you more about the plant world. Yep. Which is this is actually cool. one that I ordered just this morning on Amazon because nice. I haven't read it mm -hmm. yet. So yeah, she's and great. Also, and she's funny and engaging and, yeah. and she makes something that could be pretty esoteric, really approachable. Yeah. I think 100%. I read this on a plane. I nice. read this on one plane ride to Mexico. Mexico. Mm -hmm. Nice. No, I like the drunk botanist a lot. Um, it's uh, one of the things about it, like how it dives deeper into the subject matter without being specific to mm. alcohol. Like, it, obviously it is, I'm sorry. I mean to say that, like you've said, the, the background, the history of it um, is really deep by going through the plants of it because that's mm -hmm. literally the first step you'll ever take. Well, and she's a spirit. botanist first, Yeah. you know, so that, and that kind of got her interested in cocktails, which I think is really interesting. It's not a cocktail writer writing about plants, it's a plant writer or botanist writing about cocktails. Right. Yeah. So I like that it's filtered through that. Yeah. Well, as you know, if you've listened to us before on this podcast, we're all very fond of tiki drinks. Yes. Oh, yeah. Should we talk about Smother Smuggler's Cove? That sounds like a great idea there, Miller. Move into that one. That realm of So cocktails. like the Dead Rabbit and the Cocktail Codex, this is a bar book put out by a great bar. Yes. Yeah. Fantastic. And the guys from, uh, from Grand Rapids area, I want to say. Right? Martin Kate? Is it that they're from the Grand Rapids area or they have a tiki bar? In no, the they're collaborating area. with an artist in Grand Rapids oh, on, on a conceptual is. project. But now I, I think I think it's pivoted. Like I think it was supposed to be something before COVID and now it's going to be something a little different. Oh, okay. They're going to do it a different way. But He's the owner of Smuggler's Cove in San Francisco. Mm -hmm. I don't know where he's from though. No, they're doing a collaboration with a, a group in Grand Rapids. Gotcha, gotcha. Which is yeah. two hours away from us. One of the cool yeah. things about this book is he, he definitely did not start in the cocktail game. Like he owns a bar now. It's a fantastic one, but he was more of just like an enthusiast, a tiki enthusiast. Mm -hmm. He had like a wonderful home bar that he had people over at all the time. And eventually he and his wife just like went whole hog and said, why don't we do like, it's our yeah. hobby, but we love it. Why don't we just do it? And um, obviously mm -hmm. he, he learned so much and um, has created like an atmosphere that really highlights the classic atmosphere of like um, uh, Contiki or Trader Vic's, but like with a modern flair to it. And um, I mean, they still do things like they'll go to those big uh, part like parties or festivals or something that you might want to say um, tiki fans always go to every year. Uh, he met up with um, a writer whose first name is Otto, but I can't remember his last name, a German guy. 
Is he also a bus driver? Did he have a monocle? <laughs> he was a uh, he was a magazine writer who wrote like constant uh, information about tiki culture and bars and places all around. And you get the wide variety of tiki bars, right? You get your kind of like beachside bar that's really, you know, it's it's giving you sweet tropical drinks and stuff, but yeah, it's more slinging, of like a- Sling and fun BS. Yeah, yeah. Otto fun von Stroheim. Thank you, Otto von Stroheim. <laughs> I feel really bad for forgetting his name because he is actually like a real great in the tiki history um, and industry. Um, but yeah, all together he and uh, Martin here and his wife, do a fantastic job with smugglers. And it says right here that Otto came to the, the tiki uh, scene via the LA punk scene, yeah. which is actually kind of kind of interesting. And I think what the book does a really good job of is showing not just tiki drinks, but tiki culture yes. and, and yeah. how that ha was and has changed. And there is kind of an old Americana thing that goes along with tiki culture. It's associated with, um, you know, Old cars and cool clothes and, and, and a general vibe, which does incorporate um, surf and rockabilly and punk music. So yeah. that is something that I really like. I mean, I like those genres of music a great deal. And there is something crazy in punk rock about tiki cocktails. They're less formal, but they're harder to make, but there aren't any rules. Yeah. So you yeah. can just yeah. basically rock out and do whatever the, the yeah. hell you feel like. Um, but you still got to get it right. right. And that's, I think, I think I love tiki cocktails more than any other style, not just because they're really fun to drink, but because they're really hard to get right. Yeah. But they're also really fun. Yeah. yeah. Very similar to like, yeah, like punk music, like there's generally only like four chords used by punk, right. punk bands. So how do you take those chords right. and make, make something, something new and interesting? Yeah, yeah. but yeah. we can agree there's crap punk music and there's good Absolutely. music, yeah. even though yeah. it is yeah. deceptively simple. Bands like Throbbing Gristle, this book says. Yeah, you know, you know Throbbing Gristle? No, oh, they're good. They're on my hardcore soundtrack. We'll, we'll listen to them after this while we put together some uh, yeah. tables and chairs. You have to go back to 100% capacity uh, yeah, today, yeah. so we've got some work to do. And I would say, if you want to know where we personally at Relief and Resource pull a lot of our co tiki cocktails for the tiki menu, it is this book. Yeah. Well, yeah. Or the Caribbean Classics by Caribbean Jeff, classics Jeff Beard. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Peach Bumberry's books. Um, there's just, uh, there's just so rum. many. And a bottle of rum is, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <sighs> yeah that, I'm not going to talk about that book because I kind of hate it. But uh, <laughs> I think that with the, with the tiki menu, we're constantly curating something. Yeah. yeah. Along with trying to do new ones. Because like, it's punk rock, but you also have to find a balance. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. You can throw whatever you want in there, but as soon as one flavor's off, like too citrusy, too sweet, whatever, oh, yeah. you've got to... Yeah, trying to back your way out of one that's not working is really hard. You almost yeah, have to throw it away and start yeah. over. I was actually talking to one of our regulars the other day. He's like, well, you know, you guys are known for, like, whiskey mainly, but, like, gin, right, too? I was like, no, mainly, I mean, like, gin, whiskey and rum. Yeah. yeah, rum before gin probably yeah, here. We all love rum. <laughs> Just in terms of, like, looking at, you know, you run the sales report for the year and see what we sold. Right, yeah. Um, I did that recently in the top, out of the top 20 drinks, like, classic drinks that we sold. Um, 13 of them were tiki cocktails. There you or rum-based cocktails. <laughs> yeah. So... Yeah, I think we pour a lot of whiskey neat, but we shake a lot of rum. Yeah, yeah, we do. Yeah. I mean, and our patio is called Rum Alley, alley so. It's called yeah. rum alley. <laughs> All right, moving on. Uh, nice. You want to talk about this guy here because I he's uh, another do. really valuable author, I think. To yes, Brad Thomas Parsons. He's written a few different things. I brought the book on tomorrow because um, it's one of my favorite, like, specialized bar books. Mm -hmm. um, he also wrote Bitters, Bitters, which we don't have up here, but it's all it's fantastic. Yeah, um, I didn't, it's downstairs. And the, really, the biggest reason why I brought this one is because the world of Amaro can span 
like huge jumps and leaps of flavor. So even just understanding like regions and what they do with theirs, uh, with their specific Amaros, um, how you can go with like a low ABV cocktail mm -hmm. and just still hit really punchy flavors by using Amaros, mm -hmm. um, even making your own, which is like in the back here, he'll describe some of the things that you could do by making your own. Um, and it's just really inclusive. It's got a huge amount of information in here from history to flavor profiles to regions, like I said. So, um, and he does that with bitters as well. To your point, I think that is a, one of the best books to learn how to build good quality, low alcohol cocktails. Yeah, because they are valuable too. Yeah, they are. And the aperitif cocktail section good. in that is just awesome. Yeah, it is. Yeah. yeah. Makes you want to, you know, breeze around Italy on a moped and <laughs> There's just a drink Campari. Legit just saw a picture of some guy in a moped. Yeah, look how, look how hippie looks. <laughs> I mean, as on you my know, coolest day, I was never cool, as cool as that guy when he gets up on a Wednesday. <laughs> as you know, I'm a big fan of the Americano. The yeah. Cocktail, oh, not the coffee drink. And that's yeah. a low ABV, you know, uh, vermouth and Amaro based drink. That's it. Mm -hmm. Super simple, but soda. one of my favorite yes. cocktails, I'd say. Let's see what else I want to mention. Okay, so I, I think this may be the most important book. If you're a bartender or want to learn how to build drinks, this might be the most important book we mentioned today. And it's not a bar book, but it's a book that every bar aspiring person should have. And it's the Flavor Bible. So uh, Karen Page and Andrew uh, Dornenberg have basically broken down all of the culinary compliments to literally everything. So you get these big lists of, you know, it could be lamb. Uh, and then lamb chops, and then uh, the next thing could be uh, macadamia nut oil, macadamia nuts, all the way through alphabetically, and literally all the things that go well with the thing that's listed. Mm -hmm. It's very, very simple, but it really shows you how how flavors work together, and you can kind of get yourself in this little wormhole where you, you know, I, oh man, I really want to do a drink with this. You look at it. And you say, oh, yeah, of course that works well together. And, oh, that works well together, too. And, okay, so what if these are my two primary flavors? And you follow the next thing, and right. you can see the kind of Venn diagram flavors overlap. And next thing you know, you've got this kind of cocktail idea that's far more well-formed than it than it would have been yeah, if you didn't have yeah. this really, really great reference. Yep. You still have to execute proportion and build. But this is just a fantastic book for anybody who wants to build any kind of recipe. Yep. as a flavor reference. It can go for food if you're into like making sauces, if you are into like making barbecue rubs or or uh, you want to try your hand at making a mole sauce or anything culinary that you want to do, which includes drinks. Yep. You got to have this book. Um, they actually this is, talk about in mixology and mayhem how cocktail books are important for bartenders, but also, you know, culinary yeah. cookbooks oh, yeah. are yeah. just as important to get those flavor pairings. And yeah, the flavor Bible is. Yeah, this is my second best, copy of this, actually. Well, I, this is my third copy, but I have a copy at home. I have one for the bar. And then my original copy I gave to my brother, who's a sous chef. Oh, I nice. gave it to him when he was still in culinary school. And I've tried ordering this book on Amazon twice, and both times it's been out of stock. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. a favorite for many. Mm -hmm. I do find that some, um, obviously, Mark, you were just talking about how, and John, you've mentioned too, that when you're looking at building the recipe of a drink, this flavor profile works really, really well. I think that sometimes, like, I see maybe 80 to 90% of the bartenders I know are also super good chefs, and it's not necessarily because of cookbooks but because they understand that concept that yeah. you can build flavors together and that this is a natural pairing with this one mm -hmm. yeah yeah great book yeah it is a great book anything else you want to mention i've got one last one it's you also want to talk about a yetis book too since you really I like do. it yes because this is a nice wonderful little guide i think and you mentioned it earlier i did okay so um i I apologize profusely if I'm butchering this, but I think it's Kazo Ueda. And he has a book of um, 
cocktail techniques. Um, he was the guy who created the first or created the Japanese hard shake, which is like a, you're literally like a chugging locomotive with that shaker. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's a crazy thing to watch. It's <laughs> really it. crazy. Yeah. It's super fast. And you but have I mean, to, and you have to really practice to get the muscle memory down to do right. it. To it's it right every time. <laughs> it's a fantastic book to start off with because it's incredibly detailed. Like he literally has pictures of how to use a stirring stick, mm -hmm. um, right? Which is literally a push instead of a stir. If anyone who's um, tried to try to teach about it. Japanese bartending is very technically super yes, precise yeah. Yeah, and correct. that's true of, of their culinary um, aspects as mm -hmm. well a lot of yeah. japanese culinary um, techniques are like super detailed very precise and um, it's not just builds with this book too it will teach you how to move your body correctly uh, exactly um, behind the yeah. bar <laughs> and how like why this glassware works for this drink over another glassware yep. um, based on temperature or like it's just incredibly detailed it's it's minutia but it would work at, for anyone who wants to literally get every aspect of bartending mm -hmm. in their mind at the very least if you don't go through the entire book at least page through it it's fantastic and it's a little guy it's built to be like a behind the bar type of guide exactly um yeah. and, and kind of page through often and reference whenever you need to kind of bone up on technique yeah that's a great one for beginners especially um and then the other one that i wanted to mention was last call also from brad thomas parsons it's not specifically a bar book it's just kind of cool to see the inner workings of what it's like behind a bar he literally just goes to um well-known bars around uh the country and uh ask them like what what is your typical last drink like what do you drink after your shift or what do you like it's having an industry book yeah it's an industry book and then they'll go dip into things like what an average night is at pdt or death and co or like why did you want to become a bartender so it, it's fascinating for people who've already been in the industry most of all. But. I'm waiting for the sequel where he comes and talks to us. <laughs> last last Brad, second last right call. here. Fenton's lovely. Come on, Brad. Yeah, lots of lakes you can visit too. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. I think uh, I think we did it. Yeah. Um, about, and I mean, we really just kind of you know, skimmed the surface here, but, of yeah of you know all the the ins and outs of, of cocktail making books and cocktail history books and yeah. all that fun stuff. But yeah. yeah, I mean, you could go on about this forever. Um, and we kind of didn't do any beer or wine books uh, because we were just talking about, you know, cocktail stuff primarily. Um, but a couple other ones that I would mention, if you love wine, uh, the Wine Bible by Karen McNeil is something that you have to have at home. It'll teach you really, really well how to go through region to region, um, the world's great wine producing areas. and. Uh, teaches a lot about grapes and flavor profiles. Wine Folly is another one. Um, the author's name escapes me, but her online um, access is really wonderful. She'll break down every grape for you. And then um, the Michael Jackson Scotch book, not that Michael Jackson. <laughs> uh, the, the Scotch guide that's updated every year is, is great if yeah. you're into UK whiskey because it's a brilliant catalog of, of nearly all of them that you could possibly want to drink. Honestly, I, I think I've got a couple copies now, but yeah, mm -hmm. great book. Yeah. So, no Mr. Boston talk today. Um, if you have any of those kicking around, uh, bring them here because I, I've kind of got this idea where I'm going to try to collect a Mr. Boston for as many years as possible. Not because they're <laughs> useful, but just because they're kitschy and stupid. And I think it would be funny to have as many of them as possible. <laughs> That's such a you thing to do. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. So the Saturn died, right? I, was, I had the Saturn. It was almost classic car age, right? And it was going to take it to the back of the bricks and classic <laughs> car shows. And just pull up next to the Shelby Mustang, like, what's up, dude? You know, you want a Saturn hat? I bought five. And like, get my dollar hot dog. Place. And now that I can't do that because it finally died, I'm going to 
try to collect Mr. Boston books and never use them. <laughs> Fair enough. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Ever. Sarcasm potato. Mm -hmm. All right. <laughs> so thank you for joining us. Um, look forward to our next episode where I read from a Mr. Boston 1974 book for 45 <laughs> minutes. I'm Mark and Courtney. Stress drink next to me. We're both going to drink probably an entire bottle of scotch. While Absolutely. Each. Yeah, so for Mark and Courtney, I'm John. Thank you very much. See you soon. Cheers.